Johnny Utsman. Hand grenades the engine. It detonates right at the start-finish line. If you don't like that kind of racing, don't even watch. You would probably say, ah, yeah, short track races. Can you tell me what you felt inside the car when that tire failed? How? And then it went into the wall. He's just a dipshit, you know? I mean, the way he races, I don't know how he's ever won a championship, and I'm just sick and tired. I mean, that's why everybody's fighting him and running him down. And... This one's for every one of those fans in the stands that pull for me every week and take all the bullshit from everybody else. Cody Stewart, your winner at the Brickyard. What's going on, everybody? My name is Ryan Penta, and this is the Lucky Dog Podcast. Woohoo! What exactly is the Lucky Dog Podcast? Well, to cement it as best as possible, it is a not so serious weekly podcast through the eyes of a three decade fan, which would be me. I've been a fan of the sport since about the mid 90s, got hooked on it, similarly to a lot of people. Got tickets to a race up in Loudoun, which I think should be a crown jewel race. I'm half joking when I say that. Um, but yeah, my dad got tickets to Loudoun, and he's like, hey, why don't we go to this? It's this summer. And we went, and as soon as the engines fired and you could smell the rocket fuel after a few laps, I was hooked. Our seats were in the turns three and four grandstands. Remember those? R.I.P. And I vividly remember watching the drivers work through that corner because as you know in Loudon they're barreling down the back stretch and then they hit turn three and four excuse me three and four which is flat as hell so they are on the brakes they are slow 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 through that corner and we could literally just look right into the cars watching the drivers dig I remember watching Gordon Martin Earnhardt and all the greats Bobby Labonte Ken Schrader all of them just work, and I was hooked from the start. Ended up being a Jeff Gordon fan right out the gate, which I think a lot of kids that age were, until about four months into that where I realized, wow, this guy wins everything. I am all set. So then I converted to a Mark Martin fan, and we all know how that goes. There's a lot of wins, but there's a lot of second places. There's a lot of conceding to Gordon. There was a lot of conceding to those fucking rainbow warriors. Yeah, I'm not bitter at all, I promise. So yeah, stayed a Mark Martin fan forever and ever and ever. And then really didn't latch on to any other driver. And that's the case up until today. I really don't have a favorite driver, which I think would be good for the show. Because I can remain unbiased as possible. Um, and yeah, throughout the early to mid-2000s, I was still hooked. But then... Then something happened. Tom Brady came into my life, and my focus changed. Understandably so. I apologize for all the non-Patriots fans out there, of which there are many. Believe me, I know. But yeah, my focus was all on the Patriots, and I know the seasons don't really run con uh, concurrent, but that's where my focus went. That and the writing was on the wall with Johnson, too. All the credit to Jimmy Johnson, winning five in a row, seven... Altogether, 
you can't take anything away from him, obviously. But me personally, I just kind of lost touch, not because of that, but that certainly didn't help his run of absolute dominance. So honestly, I did kind of step away from the sport for a little bit, but now I am back and I am ready to go with the fury of a thousand suns. So here we go. I just kind of wanted to set the table, allow you guys to kind of get to know what type of race fan I am and where I'm coming from and how I feel about certain things. Another good way to do that is to talk a little bit about the current state of NASCAR. I think that's a good learning exercise for all involved. So I'm just going to get right into it. I got a few bullet points here on the current state of NASCAR, what I like and don't like. Not going to be too long. I'm not going to try to bore you. And this is in no particular order, but first bullet point item, SMT data. I think SMT data being available to all the teams is absolute horseshit. I think SMT data should be team-specific, and that team's SMT data should not be shared with other teams, even teammates. I think it should be all exclusive, and no one should have access to a dominant team's SMT. Why? Because then what we see is a lot of these, I don't want to say backmarker teams, but these mid-pack teams, they kind of learn and evolve quicker, and they kind of have a little cheat code because they're going off what the Hendricks of the world do and what the Penske's are doing and what Trackhouse is doing. They can just rip off their SMT data, make their adjustments, and boom, just like that, they improve. I think, I don't know. I, I, I'm not huge on SMT data being shared all over the place. Obviously, that's not going to change. I think it's great for us, the race fan. I think it's really cool when we get SMT data provided to us. Maybe have it available after the race, but during the race, I don't think another team should be able to see another team's SMT data. I think that's absolute bullshit. Next topic, the next-gen car. Now, this has been beaten like a dead horse, right? Intermediate tracks, the racing is great. Plate tracks, I also think the racing is great. By the way, you'll hear me call certain things by their older names. I might call Xfinity Bush Series from time to time. I might call Super Speedways plate tracks from time to time. Just get used to it, okay? I'm close enough to 40 years old where I feel like I earned it. Getting back to the car. Car is great on intermediates. It's pretty good on plate tracks. It's dog shit on short tracks. And it seems like everyone under the sun is saying we need more horsepower, we need more horsepower, we need more horsepower. We even have OEMs saying we'll throw in more horsepower. No problem. Toyota came out and said that recently. It's just NASCAR. I don't know. I don't know if they want yoke on their face, even though that's... (laughs) We'll get into that in a bit. If they're too proud of the next-gen car to pretty much do the obvious and add horsepower, maybe thin the tires out a little bit, But hey, what do I know? I've just been a fan for 30 years and I've seen it all. Another thing I'd like to see an uptick of, and I think this is very, very important for the evolution of the sport, I want to see on-track rivalries sort of kind of come back. You know, a lot of these drivers, and it might not be to their own fault, this might be a sponsorship thing, but they seem, and we'll get into this as well uh, when we wrap up, but... A lot of drivers, you know, they're very cut and dry, bland and vanilla, for lack of a better term. I may be being too harsh here, but 
they're all buddies. And I, you see that in all sports these days. You know, everyone's a friend with everyone. There's really no enemies or bloodthirsty rivalries, if you will. I would like to see something like that happen again. And we might, we might have an opportunity of that this season right out the gate with Noah Gregson and Ross Chastain. Because let's not forget, Gregson knows Chastain one. He does. He sure as hell does. And he had one chambered up for him, and he was going to take his fucking head off. That's <laughs> part of my French. But the security guard came out of nowhere and ruined that. So, again, I'd like to see some on-track rivalries kind of take light this season. If anything, that'll drive viewers week to week. Oh, did you see what Driver X did to Driver Y? Hear what he said about him after? He said he's going to pay him back next week. Something like that. Obviously, within reason, you don't want NASCAR doing NASCAR things and then suspending and taking away points because someone said something. Right, Denny? Going a little step further with kind of the personality traits of these drivers, I would like to see teams enable their driver, teams and sponsors, to enable their drivers to show their personalities if the driver wants to. If a driver wants to, it's going to come off organic and natural, and it's not going to look forced. Excuse me, if you have a driver that is on the quiet side, a little introverted, he just wants to get in his car and go, that is fine. Don't force them to do anything out of their comfort zone. Because again, the product will come off forced and quirky and possibly cringy. And that's no good for anyone. That doesn't sell. So I would love to see the teams and the sponsors enable their drivers to expand their personalities a little more. Let them run their social media accounts how they want to. Let them go and do side projects online if, if they want to. And just let them evolve and let them grow kind of naturally and organically. I think that'll be good. Because a lot of times now, we see a lot of drivers. It's very copy and paste what they say to the media. I get it. Or, you know, what they might say in a podcast. And I feel like a lot of that is just because they're under the microscope of these sponsors who, yes, they pay them, but they don't allow them to be themselves a lot of the times. Obviously, that's not the case with all the sponsors out there. You know, you see a lot, you see, you know, Denny Hamlin being a very vocal. He's got his own podcast, Actions Detrimental. And, you know, FedEx is obviously okay with that. But I think FedEx is also okay with that because Denny's been with FedEx for over a decade now, since he got into Cup. So that relationship's been established. That trust has been established. And I would just like to see a lot more sponsors kind of loosen the vice grip a little bit, let these guys and girls be who they are, and I think it'll work out for everyone in the long run. So that's also what I'd like to see. Now, to be fair, we might already be starting to see that change in the NASCAR ecosystem, if you will. Look no further than Netflix full speed, right? Five-part miniseries, molded, sort of kind of like F1 Drive to Survive, where the end goal of this program is to put, obviously, more eyeballs on NASCAR, more eyeballs on the NASCAR community. So I think we are going... That is a step in the right direction. Now, at the time of recording this... I haven't seen any episode yet. It came out today, the day I'm recording. So next week, what we'll do is we'll review the clash. Woohoo! And also we're gonna talk about 
full speed. Given the very few reviews I've seen of it so far, all signs point to it being pretty good. Obviously, I'll be the judge of that when I finally sit down and watch it. But again, next week, we'll go over and re we'll review that on top of the clash. And we'll be rocking and rolling with the NASCAR season. And lastly, on the state of NASCAR, I think the length of the season is way too long. You're lying if you say you don't get NASCAR fatigue by the end of the season. I, I think the structure, the way the schedule is now, it doesn't help that Phoenix is the championship race, and that's a different conversation for a different day. But I think the season is way too long. I think it bleeds way too much into the football season when it really doesn't have to. And ways to mitigate that is to lessen the amount of times we go to a track twice. I'm not saying go to every single track once. I like going to Daytona twice. I like going to Talladega twice. I think we can go to Atlanta once. Phoenix, there's no reason why we need to go to Phoenix twice. Things like that, I think, would help out immensely as far as the overall product goes. Because, again, I, I feel like as a NASCAR fan, you're just fatigued by the end of it, and you're not ready for the season to be over. But you're like, oh, wow, this is still going on? Holy cow. Now, flip side of that coin, come January, I'm ready for NASCAR again. That's just me. I'm just ready for NASCAR again. But I still think the season's too long, and if we cut down the double dates on a lot of these tracks, I think that'll help out immensely. Maybe get rid of some road courses too. Sorry, road course aficionados. That's my stance on that. So, yeah, that, that was just a little exercise I wanted to do to kind of get to know me a little better and kind of... Uh, Kind of get a rough estimate of where this show's going to go. Your guess is as good as mine, honestly. All right, let's roll through some season predictions here. And we're going to go team by team. We're not going to go every team. I'm just going to do the heavy hitters. And I'm going to go driver by driver real quick. Kind of give you my prediction where I think they can be better and so on. So we'll start with 2311. And why are we starting with 2311? Because my championship prediction is Tyler Reddick. I think he is poised to be a champion this year. His trajectory just continues to go up and up and up. Toyota is obviously very happy with him. Denny is very happy with him. And he consistently just bangs down top 10 finishes, and he was right there last year too. So that is my championship prediction. That's your champion right there for 2024, Tyler Reddick. Moving on to Bubba. I love Bubba. Love Bubba a lot. Bubba needs multiple wins this year. I know he recently just re-signed for a couple more years, but that seat might be getting a little warm for him. I would also like to see Bubba chill out a little bit and not be so hard on himself. Obviously, easy for me to say as I sit here in my gaming chair and record a podcast. I'm not the one strapping myself into these death machines and going close enough to 200 miles an hour. He is. So you can understand why he gets out of the car and he's wound up like a top and he doesn't want to talk to anyone because he's so fucking hard on himself. And I would like to see him maybe take a step back from that let the wins come to him. He has a lot of talent. I think he's still working on trying to harness all of that. So I do think Bubba needs more than one win this year. I think he needs that bad. I don't think one win's going to satisfy anybody. 
Moving on to SHR, and I will say this about SHR as a whole, I think their talent evaluation sucks. And I think that's coming directly from the top of that organization. Nothing personally against Tony, but I just think he's a bad talent evaluator. Let's just go through the list here. Chase Briscoe. Average. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chase Briscoe fans, but he's average. And I think I might be being kind with that, honestly. Just look at last year. He was nowhere to be found all season long. How many times did we see his car in the pits before scheduled pit stops? A lot. And that's not necessarily all his fault. But I don't think Briscoe is a championship caliber driver. I could be wrong. I just don't think so. Ryan Priest. I think the talent is there. I don't know if SHR can accommodate him, though. And what I mean by that is this kid is just a purebred racer. He races modifieds when he has a minute. And if he's not racing modifieds, he's in the sim. He's working on his craft. He's dedicated to the game. I don't know if SHR is the right place for him. I think a place like JGR or Hendrick, easy for me to say, obviously, the two big dogs of the field. But I think a place like that would kind of suit him more. Not saying that SHR can't provide that for him, but I just don't see him knocking off any wins at all this year. Josh Berry. Josh Berry. Josh, Josh Berry. Very likable guy. Extremely likable. Great story. Awesome story. You know, Junior found him on iRacing, moved up the ranks through late models, Xfinity. Now he's in Cup. He obviously wants it, but it still remains to be seen if the talent will be there. Now, he had some impressive showings when he filled in for Chase Elliott over at Hendrick this year, but that was in Hendrick equipment, and that is top of the line, as we all know. So I'm not going to be too hard on Josh Berry. It still remains to be seen how his season's going to look, but I'm not holding on to any sort of hope that he's going to be any sort of world beater or anything like that. Might, might, might sneak away with a win this year, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put any money on it. Hendrick Motorsports, the cream of the crop. Or so to speak. Let's go down the list here. Kyle Larson. If Kyle Larson is able to mitigate his risks, he's going to be, he's well on his way to being a legend. He might go down as the greatest of all time. Now, what's going to need to happen for that to come to fruition? He's going to need to stay in the sport for a lot longer period of time. And he's actually come out and said he's not going to be racing forever. I don't think he wants to race until his mid-40s. I really, really don't. And he has no reason to. But if he did, then I could see him getting into that conversation of the Johnsons and the Earnhardts and the Petties. But when I say he needs to mitigate risks, he goes, we all see it, he goes ball to the wall. He's a dirt racer, right? So he's used to just kicking that thing sideways and hoping for the best as a dirt racer does, right? And we've seen that work for him, but we've also seen him, we've also seen that bite him in the ass. So that's going to be interesting to see. Can he mitigate those risks and turn those, those wrecks into turn four on the last lap, Pocono, into wins. Chase Elliott. Can Chase Elliott get back on top this year? I think so. I think so. I think him and Alan Gustafsson starting fresh this year. You know, no suspensions. 
Hopefully no snowboarding injuries. I don't see why they don't get back to the top and they're in the final four at the end of the year. William Byron. William Byron, coming off a six-win season, was a world beater. And he was a lot of championships favorites last, last year. He was mine. Obviously, he didn't get it done. Penske came out on top with Ryan Blaney. But you would be silly to think that he doesn't get even better this season. I'm putting him at over six wins. I can't put him at the championship. That's Tyler Reddick. But he, if Reddick doesn't win, it's William Byron. Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman. This is an interesting one. I know he had the injury last year, right? He had the back injury. So he missed some time there. Could never really get into a groove. He was obviously the worst out of the 400 cars. But here's the thing. He's usually the worst out of the 400 cars at the end of the season. Now, Hendrick always has this one car that is not doesn't yield the same results as the other cars, right? On a consistent basis. You know, Casey Kane. Tail end of Terry Labonte's career. I can go on. And this is Alex Bowman now. I don't think... I think Alex Bowman is going to be the first one to go from Hendrick Motorsports. And I don't think that's a hot take or anything like that. I think if you put a gun to any race fan's head and said, which one of these drivers is going to be the first to go from Hendrick, it'll be Bowman for everyone. So that's really, I'm, that's not a world beater take or anything like that. But I just feel like within the next couple of years, unless he turns things around and can string multiple win seasons, be in the final four consistently, maybe sneak in and get a championship, then that all changes. But that's a lot. Moving on to JGR. Can Ty Gibbs find victory lane this year? <clears throat> I hope so. It's hard not to root for him. But I, I didn't see those... I didn't see those that, that consistent improvement with him throughout last year, like a lot of people did. I didn't because... I judge that on if you led laps, and I don't recall him leading a lot of laps at all. Now, granted, the team's got to put him in that position. His pit's got to put him in that position, and we can go on and on about the Joe Gibbs uh, pit road academy, for lack of a better term, and how they've kind of been subpar and kind of hung drivers out to dry in the past. And, you know, Ty was a victim of that a couple times last year too, but I just don't see him getting into victory lane because he didn't show me any reason why I would think differently from last year. Denny, 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 Denny. Denny's an interesting one. Denny Hamlin. Could this be the year of the championship? Maybe, maybe. But he's also come out and said that he would be somewhat okay with never getting a championship. It's all about race wins for him. And I, I think you get that with a lot of the other guys because I don't know if the, the way the championship is currently structured, if that really tickles the fancy of these drivers. I mean, yeah, they want to be on top. Everyone wants to finish first, right? But just the way the playoffs are structured and how you got to gotta kind of be hot at the right time and the best car throughout the whole year, it doesn't necessarily get rewarded. Uh, I don't know if the guys are buying into that, and I think Denny's one of them. I, I think he's content with just racking up wins, which, again, he's going to rack up some wins this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins Daytona, honestly. My feeling on Daytona is any old schmo can win Daytona. 
Anybody can. You can roll through the start finish line with duct tape on your car and you can win. Austin Dillon. You know? But it takes a special driver to win not just two, but three of these and possibly four. I think that that's more than just talent. That's knowing plate racing and you have to for Daytona. So I'm looking at Daytona as a Denny's to lose and possibly in the championship, I'd say top four. Christopher Bell, Mr. Bell. Can Christopher Bell take the next step? And what I mean by the next step is a championship because he is right there. He is right there. I think he is what Tony Stewart thought Chase Briscoe was going to be. You know, a young dirt racer who just wants to get to the front and stay up front. Call him crazy. But the question is, can he take the next step? And I think what's holding him back is he doesn't have that dog in him, you know? He's a nice kid, mild-mannered kid. I shouldn't say kid, guy. But does he have that dog in him? Will he staple someone into the wall if he feels wronged? Who knows? And You need that if you want to come out on top. You need to have that edge in you in stock car racing. There's a reason why there's fenders on these things. So I'll be looking for a C-Bell to take the next step. Martin Truex Jr., can you make up your damn mind? Are you retiring? Are you not retiring? Feels like uh, Jerry Seinfeld had an old uh, Oprah bit where back when she was gaining and losing weight way back in the day, she'd be like, I don't get it. She's fat. She's thin. She's fat. She's thin. And that that's kind of the sentiment I get from Truex. He's in. He's out. He's in. He's out. She's fat. She's thin. She's fat. She's thin. Just make up your mind, man. And I know it's a big monumental decision, you know, kind of walking away from the sport that you love, the sport that you've raced in for almost two decades now. But you have sponsors that are on the hook. Your team is on the hook. And I know your team's saying, take your time, take your time, take your time. If you believe that to be 100% genuine, I got a bridge to sell you. So I'd like to see Truex make up his mind first and foremost. I don't think it's a championship caliber racer anymore. You just get to that certain age where it just doesn't click like it did when you were a young pup, and he is there. Could he get a few more wins? Absolutely. He's got the team to do so. He's got the team and the resources to do so, and he's a talented driver, but I don't see him sniffing a championship ever again. Trackhouse. Trackhouse is interesting for two reasons. One, with Ross Chastain. We saw him kind of get somewhat neutered by Chevrolet and Rick Hendrick in the middle of last season because he was hitting everything but the hot dog vendor and he was pissing a lot of people off, and I get it. But after that, aside from his win at Phoenix at the end of the year, which is promising, he wasn't the same Ross Chastain. He didn't have that edge. He didn't have that, that grit. He, he wasn't using his fenders. And another thing about Chastain, for all you Chastain haters out there, just look in the mirror and ask yourself, who does this kid remind me of? Who else circled these tracks, knocking fenders off people, getting them out of the way to get a victory? You all know who I'm talking about. So if you got a problem with Chastain racing the way that he's racing or was racing until Rick Hendrick and Chevrolet got involved, then you had a problem with Dale Earnhardt. And I find that hard to believe. 
So I'd like to see Chastain get his edge back. He's going to have to have his head on a swivel with Noah Gregson flying around because, again, like I said earlier, Gregson owes him one. And obviously he's a championship contender too. He's proven it. I, I think it's only a matter of time before he gets his championship. He is the he is the prize pony of track house. I don't think that's a uh, that's an out-of-line comment to make at all. Suarez, 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 Daniel Suarez, amigo. This is a do-or-die year for Daniel Suarez. He has to perform. He's coming off a dismal year last year. Now, they have made changes. He's got a new crew chief, Matt Swiderski. Sorry if I didn't pronounce that right. So we'll see if that helps. But I think, And I think Daniel knows this, too. He needs to perform. He needs to rattle off a win or two in order to keep that seat because that, that track house team, that's, they're coming, man. They're coming. They are on the up and up. I really, really like what Trackhouse is doing as a whole. As far as racing goes, I wouldn't be surprised if eventually they get into F1. You know, they just got into MotoGP. So I really, really like what they're doing, as long as all that doesn't take away from the cup side of things, which I don't think it will, because Justin Marks strikes me as a stock car racer, first and foremost. And I think that level of focus isn't going to come off the cup side of the team anytime soon. So it'll be interesting to see if Suarez, getting back to Suarez, if he can rattle off a win or two and stay in the game because Trackhouse, that, that's a coveted seat, I think. that That's that's as coveted as a JGR Hendrick car, I think, at the time. And lastly, Penske, championship Penske. Real quick, I think Joey Logano is going to do what Joey Logano does. He's going to have a couple wins. He might piss somebody off. He might knock someone out of the way. Boo-hoo. But I, I think you're looking at a maybe a four or five win season for Logano. That might be a little lofty, honestly. Our champion, Ryan Blaney. I don't see him repeating. I don't. Um, not to take anything away from his championship, but he would not have won the championship if it was the old style. Now, we could say that about a lot of past champions, obviously, but it wouldn't have been his if it was any other way. Did he earn it? Absolutely. Am I happy for him? Absolutely. But I don't think he can I don't think he can repeat unless he gets a huge string of luck like he did late last year. So again, I just kind of wanted to go over kind of sort of my season predictions by top end drivers. I didn't want to bore you and go through the whole 40 team field. Oh yeah, I think Zane Smith's gonna be great. He is. But I didn't want to bore you with that. So that kind of like Again, set the table for uh, how I think the season's gonna gonna evolve and play out. A segment I'm going to have on this show every week. It's gonna be called the Sad Dog of the Week, and what that's gonna be is this segment highlights or lowlights a driver, spot, or team, media member, etc. That messes up royally needs to be put in the doghouse. Not gonna do one this week, but next week be on the lookout for that. And then what to expect from the show. Uh, it's, like I said in the beginning, it's going to be a weekly podcast dropping every Wednesday for you. Be on the lookout for all my Instas and TikToks. It's all at Lucky Dog Pod. That's my username for everything. So Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Don't have a Facebook yet. Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for those. Uh, and a big thing about this show I want to I want to implement right out of the gate is I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear from the fellow race fans. The sooner the better. I want to hear 
everything. I want to hear experiences at the races. I want to hear your opinions on drivers or current situations going on in NASCAR. What do you think about the Netflix series? Anything and everything is on the table. So in order to reach me, you can leave me a voicemail, and I'll leave this in the show description as well. It's 508-657-4471. Again, that's 508-657-4471. Leave a voicemail, leave your name, and if I like it, I'll play that voicemail right on the show. So that would be pretty cool. Again, I want to make this as immersive as possible for you guys. I kind of want this to be like a fan-driven, enjoy that pun, show. I want to be hyper interactive with you guys. I want to get to know you guys. I want you guys to get to know me. And I think in doing so, that'll evolve the show, make for a better product, make for a more entertaining product, and so on and so forth. So again, that's 508-657-4471. Leave me a voicemail. Let me know what you think. Any For this week, anything's on the table. We're not going to segment it to one topic or anything like that. What, Like I said, whatever you got for me on-track experiences, did you meet a driver, did he piss you off, did he make you happy, anything, anything NASCAR-related, let me know. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of the evolution of the show again. Um, eventually, I'll be doing some driver interviews, hopefully. Again, I'm a one-man show with no connections in the industry, so that that's going to take a little while, I think. But still, we're going to have driver interviews, fan interactions, looking to cross-promote with other shows as well. So if you're listening and you're on another show and you want me to be on for whatever reason, I'd love to be on. I'd love to have you on. I'd also like eventually to have a co-host. I don't see me running solo on this thing forever. So yeah, eventually getting a co-host on the show I think would be great. So take solace in the fact that eventually... It's not just going to be my voice on this thing. We're going to have a different point of view, a different perspective. Who that is, I don't know yet. But as the show evolves and the show goes on and we progress, I think those opportunities will start to come about. And that's it for week one of the Lucky Dog Podcast. I definitely appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, be on the lookout, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, the Lucky Dog Pod for all of them. I'm eventually going to have a YouTube channel up as well. I'll have my driver interviews on there. Maybe start recording live on the podcast there as well. Again, this is a big work in progress if you couldn't tell from this first episode. This is a big work in progress. We have a lot of evolving to do, a lot of learning to do. But hey, that's the, that's the exciting part of it all, at least for me. So again, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. We're going to go over The Clash. If anybody acted a fool in The Clash... We're going to go over full speed and anything else that comes in the NASCAR ecosystem between now and then. So, again, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.